Welcome to the Music Business Podcast with me, Steve Spotlight, where we give you tips, advice, strategies, how-tos with some very key interviews with music business professionals, other artists, managers, agents, name it, where they share their insights, knowledge on being successful in today's ever-changing music industry so you can have an actionable roadmap on achieving your dreams and being successful. Learn so that you can earn. Yes, hi. Welcome to the second episode of the Music Success Podcast, we have your Uncle Adi talking about vocal training and why it's so essential for you as artists to really make sure this is part of your toolkit in which you need to always constantly work on and enjoy the second part of this podcast. I think a lot of artists just would write stuff, I mean now, would most likely just write stuff on a pad or on their phone and just go and deliver it without thinking um, that, you know, how am I supposed to really deliver the song? How am I supposed to capture the emotions of the song? And they think because they've written it, they can just deliver it and, you know, walk out of the boat and, yeah, mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. got a hit on our head. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go one better than that. People who sing cover versions of those songs have no insight or don't have any appreciation of the purpose of the song and then go and do a performance like on shows like X Factor, um, um, what, what's the other one, um, In America? Um... America's uh, um, American Idol, or whatever it's called, right? And and now again, I don't know if you watch it, but the four. So you have these singers who go on to these shows, and in open mic nights and all those kind of places, who will sing a rendition of a song will be note for note perfect, be exactly as the original melodic structure of the song and lyrical structure of the song but they haven't captured the essence in the song because they don't know the purpose of each section related to the um, lyrical um, construct. So they haven't really studied to that degree. So that's what really separates them from that moment of greatness that was laid down on the original vinyl. So uh, so then, I mean, just carrying up on what you're saying, I think the artists that I feel do awesome or great cover songs are the ones that they literally take, they, they hear the song or they know the song, but they make it relatable to them and they're able to deliver it based on what that song means to them, and which makes, you know when you've been told, make take a cover song or take a song and make it your own in itself. I think that's the only way you can really still have an awesome performance by doing a cover song, but the interpretation of the song is different and still has a different emotion to it. Mm. Because, you know, um, Whitney might have sang a certain song relating to a certain, to, to a certain aspect of her life, but if, obviously, lyrically, you can relate that song to a certain aspect of your life, it might be totally different in a different way. But because you're communicating it based on your own interpretation of what that song means to you, you said that can also still work for one artist. Yes, again, it's really about understanding the conceptual aspects of it. For example, let me give you a, an example. Again, I'm doing this um, this kind of blog of the greatest singers and the greatest songs yeah. and stuff. And which is actually, it started off with maybe, I thought I was going to do like 10. I'm on 40 and it like, it just keeps on snowballing and snowballing. Wow. And, um, but there's one song in particular that is on the list um, which has two different versions of it that I'm aware of. Um, 
which is um, And I Am Telling You. Now, the original was by Jennifer Holliday. And then Jennifer Hudson made the song famous to a new generation. But if you listen to the two different versions of them, they're like light and shade, night and day. Jennifer Holliday's version is the one that captures the essence of the song, that understands the purpose in the song. Jennifer Hudson just does a copy of Jennifer Holliday. Well, but it's still only got a copy. But you have to go and listen to them. Now, again, there might be contentious. It might be a little bit because if you're a real Jennifer Hudson fan, you might get upset by that. But the truth of the matter is, listen to the... If you listen to the Jennifer Hudson version, sorry, the Jennifer Holiday version, you will hear the pain in her voice when she's singing, the real pain. And also when I'm talking about technique and the light and shade and the tone and the textures, and all, you'll hear that. You'll hear it all. Definitely, I think now that you mentioned it, I'm going to go um, look up those two tracks and make a comparison and I'll come back to you and we'll have a discussion about that. But, yeah. Right. On to the next question. What, do you think every artist needs a vocal coach? And at what time, at what point in their career do you think they should have one? And should it be an hour often? Now, it would be easy for me to say, sit here and say, yes, every, every singer should have a vocal coach. And the truth is that every singer should have a vocal coach. The reality is that very few are going to take their art seriously enough to take vocal lessons. That's the reality. I think they don't take it as seriously as they should in regards to vocal. You know, I mean, I mean, even if you play solid league football, for example, or you play, you know, you know, not only in the Premiership, if you're playing, playing the Championship, you still have lessons and you still have regular training sessions that you go to. So why do you think artists now, especially when it comes to your voice, that is not the one priority on their list that they need to, that they know they have to focus on, they have to work on, they have to constantly be better at every year in, year out. You have NBA players that LeBron James, for example, so I'm, and now I'm going to be using a lot of analogy for the sportsman, as you know. You're going to have a LeBron James that is, a, is one of the greatest players all year, but every season, you hear commentators say, oh, his three-point shot, shot has got better. His, yes, know, yes, shot yes, yes, better. yes, yes, so yes. working on something. Yes, yes, And he's already already at the top of the game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know what that is? That is desire and purpose. Desire and purpose. Desire okay. and purpose. You have the desire to be the best at, at what you do, regardless of anybody else. Um, and then you go about that in the way that you believe it to, you know, mean to be real. But I think also, and this is, and this is a human nature thing, that we we convince ourselves a lot of the time that we're a lot better than we actually are. So is it because more people are, so that, that means a lot of artists don't do like a, a, a real good job of self evaluating themselves, or they just based on what they're being told, or they to really. What if they don't know the better? What if, like, see that? Like, I mean, okay. Like, yeah, you like, you know, you're, you're having over a couple of thousand million streams online, so that means you must be doing something. There's that. There is that. There is that. So again, um, you could argue that some people don't know any better because they haven't been um, 
given an honest evaluation? And you could argue, and, and the answer to that question really is this. If you watch a show like X Factor and watch the audition sessions, you will know that there are some very unaware aspiring singers out there. Yeah? No, but you know what? No, let me say that. <laughs> I, I actually think a lot, of those, a lot of those singers or people that go on shows like that, really, they're not, they're really not the, the greatest or they're really not going to, they're not going really to go on there just for a laugh. I really think so. <laughs> or do you actually think people go on there thinking, oh, I am pretty good. I am like, yeah, I could make the cut. Like, if you hear some horrendous, let me not use certain terms, but like, come on. <laughs> that, like, that's why I I was PC. I said unaware, right? There are some very unaware singers that go on that. there, yeah? Right? And that is exactly that. And again, I will make a comparison between X Factor and The Four. On The Four you know they can use their voices. Yes, yeah, yeah? yeah. 90% of the time, you know they can sing, yeah? So, um, which is why it's such a fierce competition, yeah? Whereas X Factor, particularly the audition stage, which is just all about TV ratings and all that kind of stuff, you get all of these um, wannabes who can't sing in tune and, and don't even know the lyrics to the song or can't, sing at all or can't hold a note but they all aspire to be singers and I think this is the other thing that we've, we're missing at the moment they aspire to be famous mm, yeah. now that's okay. not the same as being okay. a singer a great singer so they aspire to be famous not aspire to be great singers so correct I guess correct. like you've always said to me that is the difference between what a success really means to you yeah you could, be, you could be famous without being a great singer and there's so many ways for you to go ahead and do that well, you know so if you you can that's that's actually, oh yeah that's actually yeah that's actually true so most artists want to have a number one chance for how what do you want to be known for do you want to be known as just having a, a hot record but is that a vocally um because like in the grandest for example you would have setting uh what's for artists that vocally have shown they are the best at what it is that they do. So if you're an artist and that is what your target is and you want to win that prize, I guess that is what you're going to work at or yeah. that's what you're going to focus on. Yeah. I think that a lot of artists need to put that on their agenda. Really <laughs> that has to... Because I know you're a parent and just, just like you, the, the, the difference of a song and how you appreciate a song, especially if you want to have an evergreen song, it has, it has to be so much depth, not just weak, but depth to the material, yeah. to the song itself. And, uh, and, Jeanette, and Jeanette can only do so well, you know. It has, I mean, just like a makeup artist can only make, I mean, obviously they can transform, same people to want to go to one. But, you know, and Jeanette can only cover up same potholes if, you know, you're not called out of the studio, unless you want to go be a studio artist for the rest of your life, then cool. Mm -hmm. um, but your income stream is going to be extremely limited. Hmm. In, the, in, that, in that aspect. Right. Like, okay, this, I, had, I had a friend of mine that I spoke to sometime last week. This question is literally because of her. Um, can you give me some tips on how an artist can have a better life performance? Because you hear all the time when an artist kind of goes to sound check and 
for whatever reason, Wilder performing that, oh, they couldn't get themselves for whatever reason, and you know they would they want to be able to do better live performances because as an artist you can come up with an awesome record, but you as a listener and the fan base, your brand can quickly get damaged and hurt because I've heard an awesome record which I love and which I sing in the bathroom every single day, not me, but the other people sing in the bathroom every mm-hmm. single day. But when I get a chance to hear you live, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm disappointed. Oh, is that, like, is that it? I thought you were better than that. So, I mean, what can you, what advice or tip can you give an artist to have a better live uh, performance? Okay, again, it starts with understanding the importance of purpose and the structure of a performance based on the purpose. So just like a song structure in its verse, verse pre-chorus, chorus, verse pre-chorus, chorus, middle eight, chorus, 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 that's a structure and each section has a purpose. The same can be said of a live performance. And this is really important, not just for the singer, but for every instrumentalist on the record and on the stage. You have a job to do and you have a purpose in each song. Do you know what I mean? So that's why the transition between a studio recording and a live recording is really important in understanding that so that the important, un, 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 undis, like those, those, those parts of the song that are... Um, non-replaceable have to be in the song do you know what I mean from an instrumental point of view and the same from a vocal point of view so understanding the the purpose and the structure of performance is really important so knowing that when you come on stage your stage entrance is the first time that you'll interact with the audience so the time that you take to come on stage and the point at which you enter the stage is as important as anything else because it's where the audience build up their anticipation. Yeah. So I, I, it always concerns me when I see a a singer come on stage, start messing around with a microphone, picking it up and putting it on the height and all that kind of stuff before the musicians have got on the stage. Then the musicians come on stage and the drummer sits down and starts to set up his drums and, and the guitarist starts to tune up and down and all that kind of stuff. All that time, the artist is already on stage. That should never happen with an artist on the stage. That should happen with the lights down. Then they play the first song and then the artist is introduced by somebody onto the stage and they come onto the stage singing. So they come on stage doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah? Or what Michael Jackson would do when he came on stage, he would make a great entrance and then just stand there and oppose. Like a mannequin and the audience go crazy. You know what I mean? So each section is a, it has a purpose. So then you, you, so you've got your intro, then you've got to capture the essence of the audience. You've got to capture their attention. And you capture their attention by doing those things in the entrance, which is what we call the grit. You grab their attention. Then you have to get the interaction. So yeah, you've got to yeah, you, you've got to be able to so you, then you go out into the audience, you're singing your first song, and then you go out into the audience and and you use the different sections of the stage. The centre of the stage the far right of the stage and the far left of the stage to then walk there whilst you're singing and then 
take in the audience by reaching your hand out, waving, smiling at people. Then uh, whilst you're singing, walk back to the centre, do the same in the centre. Whilst you're singing, walk to the far left this time, do the same there. Because you're now introducing yourself to all of the people in the audience and saying to them, welcome to my house. Make yourself comfortable. Let's have a great time tonight. Do you know what I mean? So never go... (laughs) Never go on stage and sing looking down at the camera with your eyes closed, at the, at the floor with your eyes closed. Engage with your audience at all times. Otherwise, you might as well be, they might as well just listen to the record. And, and you'd not be on stage. Well, that's true. Literally, you could literally be on stage, but you could still be invincible to the audience. Yeah. And you, and you, you wonder why they're not showing you no respect and not paying no attention to you. Yeah. You've got to have your highs and lows and you and you have to structure your your set list according to your highs and lows. So like you have your your um your grip is your intro, then you have sorry, your grip is your the the introduction. Then you have your first verse which is where you tell the story. So you come out, you do your first song and you say Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fantastic evening to be here. I love New York. You know what I mean? Welcome, New York. Blah, 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 blah. That's all in your introduction. That's all in your um, your verse where you t- start to tell the story. Tonight, we're going to have a great show. Blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. when you go into the performance and then you have you have a one of your hits, one of the ones that you know is going to be a guaranteed sing-along. But you don't have all of your hits and then have five songs that they don't know. You know what I mean? So you need to make sure you structure this order of your set according to that. And I always say this to my writers. Always write a song when you go into a session. Always write a song that you know that when an artist goes to perform live, if they don't sing that song, there will be, there will be a lynching. They, you know what I mean? Make sure you write that anthem, live well, anthem. Doesn't have to be doesn't have to be one that gets on the single, the live anthem for the for the live show. Period. Because you know that there are songs that if it doesn't get sung when an artist performs, no one's leaving until it's done. Yeah, like I want to, I want to get that. Like, <laughs> more importantly, you know when artists be doing the thing where they by they want to. They know that they're going to do an encore and they put the songs that they know you want in the encore. So they go off, say goodnight. They know that you're not going until you've heard your song. Yeah. So those are the kinds of things that you need to put into a performance. And that there's so many more, but that's just like a... So would you say like your most favorite song, you think, I mean, what would you advise... Do you think an artist should have that as their first song or as their last? No, song? no, 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 no. I mean, again, Depends thinking the about the thinking about the purpose, yeah, and, and and what we call like if we go to the structure, the structure is um, we have what we call the grip, then the story, yeah. then the theme, then the hook. Right. This is the song structure. Yeah. Intro, verse. Pre-chorus, chorus, the hook, or the money shot. The money shot. Right? So now that doesn't happen once it happens again. So you now give them another another theme, another story, another theme, and then another 
book another money shot. And the middle eight or the bridge we call or I call the moment of clarity. Mm. That's the, the moment you get to know what this whole thing is about. So this should be the signature song for this artist that not, is not necessarily a single, but that defines everything that the artist stands for at that given time. Yeah? So this is the song that you do in the structure of your set, which is your middle eight. So this is the point where everybody now really gets to know the artist. Do you understand? Because the artist tells a story in relation to this song. So you now get your moment of clarity. Then you go back to your money shot, money shot, money shot. So two, three songs on the trot at the end that are going to take it out on a high. After you've given them your moment of clarity. This is your your moment of indulgence, if you like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah? So no, this is... That, that is not always, going to always be your figure six. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's no, the one song that defines you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily a biggest hit at all. Well, see, you guys are getting some straight one-on-one masterclass right here. In regards to that. <laughs> right. um, now, thank you so very much for, for those points. And just got a couple more. You know, I know we've had you on here for a while. Just two, three more questions and I'm going to let you be. Because I know how much of a very purist when it comes to songwriting you are, um, this next aspect is it's, it's pretty much it's about songwriting. Um, when it comes to songwriting, I'm just just like yourself. I'm very much into the story of a song or what a song kind of really means, and it needs to be to me that's the essence of what great songs are made of. Um, songwriting, what what do you what would you consider to be the fundamental of all of all good songwriters, and what do you think they need to have um, in regards to for you to become a great songwriter? I read I read somewhere today that every single artist to write songs that matter or on subject matter that matters to them. That is, you know, which I thought that is actually you can only sing about things that matter to you. Really. You know, because that's the only way you can really be as expressive and as in depth as you know you're supposed to be. So what do you think the fundamental of a great songwriter should be? Are we talking about singer-songwriters or songwriters who look to play Song, songs? Songwriters. Okay, songwriters. cool. I mean, an artist could be a, a, a singer-songwriter, but songwriters, if you write for yourself, you write for other people. Okay, so when I manage songwriters and you're, and you're in a, a an overpopulated industry where everybody's trying to play song with the same artist, you have to come up with, you have to give yourself a competitive advantage. So the first thing I teach, the first instruction I give to my songwriters is go online and find out everything you can about that singer's life. Everything that is not in the, like kind of, not um, in every one of their interviews, but that's about their life and things that are important to them. Watch their interviews, watch the things that happen on in the media that are not related to their career, that are related to some kind of relationship issue they've gone through or a loss in their life or something like that. Know all of that stuff and come up with concepts that are written purely for that artist because you are much more likely to get a placement because you have understood 
the artists because artists are like and 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 it's really important as well that we're talking about artists not singers there's a difference again so a singer who's an artist doesn't just want to do any songs they want to write songs that are meaningful and are meaningful to them like you said so make sure that you have studied them properly yeah and also not only their lives but also what things they have already said in their music what themes they've already covered in their music what concepts they've already covered so that you also get an insight into what they enjoy singing about do you know what i mean so if you think let's think about for example um destiny's child for example in their heyday they were about they were about women doing it for themselves independent and all that kind of stuff right but not like the spice girls kind of independent it wasn't cheesy it was credible yeah. You know what I mean? So, and it was anthemic and yeah, all women could step behind that. So knowing that writing songs for that type of artist was is a key thing. Next to that, knowing that, let's say for example, you write a song that you want to place with, um, you could write a song for Beyonce, but you should also know that there are another two or three other artists that will also be likely to record that song if she doesn't. Do you understand? If you get the right concept. So you aim for Beyonce or a uh, Ariana Grande or a, um, you know what I mean? You pick three or two or three artists that you can target with the same song so that actually when you're pitching, you're hedging your bets. But don't, if you go for Beyonce, don't then go for Britney Spears because there's no there's no synch there's no synergy between the two of them. You have to know. So understanding the marketplace is also really important. Another thing for a songwriter, which isn't about the songwriting itself, but is about the timing. Doing your research of the industry and finding out, thinking about actually when was the last time that um, that Rihanna had an album out? Okay. Her last album came out three months ago. She's going to tour that for nine months. And then she's going to have another album. How often does she have an album out? Every year, every year and a half. So she's going to start working on the next album six months from the time that she released the last album. Or nine months at the very outside. So pitching songs in that time frame is really important. Don't wait until you hear through the grapevine that they're listed, they're looking for songs for to finish off her album. Because her album's finished. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <You know what>? <laughs> <laughs> and that's another mistake that most people make, yeah? Yeah. Oh, no. I think those are very good um, two key points in regards to even as a songwriter trying to get a placement. Once you, I think a lot of people, as some songwriters, I think they just feel that, okay, I'm just going to write a bunch of songs and Try and get it pitched to whoever it is, and because different from that perspective, without really understanding the audience or the 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 artist themselves that they're trying to pitch the song to. So yeah. have a parameter of who you want to send the song to, but itself even within that cluster, you will still have three, four other artists that if a reader doesn't take it, then so and so might take that same song. Mm. You know, then it helps you structure the song even better in regards to what 
material and on subject content that you're gonna be writing about and also you don't get upset that nobody's picking up your songs because it will make sense you writing uh, a song that you know for example that it maybe won't be me type um songs for women and send that to a Beyonce because she would she would never record no, a record like that. No. You're totally gonna miss no, the no. Ex- ex- exactly precisely that. Think about the one time that she could have been woe is me was after the whole affair thing. But she wrote about that from a strong woman's point of view. Not only because it's what she is, but it's also how our audience identify her. So it's really important that you get your subject matter right. I was going to say one other thing to consider with regards to when you're writing for um, artists and placing, looking to place with artists and stuff is, is to make sure that you um anyway i've lost my trailer thought so move on is <laughs> <laughs> gone yeah yeah, yeah. it's gone carry yeah, on um i mean there's been a lot of debate in regards to um over the last i mean just even from the within the rap um and the hip-hop um community alone um about you know people having ghostwriters and songwriters writing for you know other artists and so on and so forth is there anything wrong with an artist actually writing for someone else or having a ghostwriter write for them? Um, I don't know what my opinion is on that. A- <laughs> so, absolutely well, not. Not, that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You see, one of my favourite rappers, ironically, is Dr. Dre. He doesn't write any of his own lyrics. But he knows how to deliver a song. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. That's so nice. without someone else writing for him, I wouldn't be able to enjoy Dr. Dre. Yeah. yeah. But also, like you said, whoever it is that's writing for Dr. Dre has to understand who Dr. Dre Correct. is and what Correct. he stands for and what his life is about for you to really capture him. But you're just the, you're just the pen, literally. Yeah. You know, that, that, I, I think, I, I guess that's, within certain genres of music, it's some artists... I think they feel that makes them less of an artist because they're not the ones writing the song. But if it's not something that you're good at and if it's not something that you're trained to even get better at, then let somebody else You know what? Sometimes it's neither of those. Sometimes it's not that you're not good enough or not that you... um, uh, um, uh, Not that you're... um, How do you put it? You put it as in... um, What did you say? You said that they. I said uh, they added. Um, they're not. Um, not that they're not good enough. They're not literally. They're, they're not naturally a gifted songwriter. For yeah, they're um, not being yeah, true to themselves. It's none yeah. of those things. It could literally be that um, uh, that there are uh, what do you call them hit makers out there who have got the have captured the essence of that time and 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 understand your target audience and understand you do you understand for example um there was a time that if you had a neo song on your record you know you had a hit on your hand there's a time when you if you had a baby face song on your on your project you knew you had a hit on your hand yeah so there are um there are a number of like kind of certified hit makers out there who come up with 
with great songs over and over again. Ryan Tedder is another example of one. Do you know what I mean? Um, John Legend is another example of one. So, unless you have the biggest ego in the world, like if, an, if, a, if your record company comes up to you and says, um, John Legend's got a song that he wants you to put, record. Are you going to say no because yeah, it means no, I'm, I'm, less, I'm less of an artist if I don't write all my own songs? I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's that comes down to ego. Wise from two perspective, I think they think okay, it's it, 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 I, I become a bit more discredited and I can't keep all the money for myself. But then if you <laughs> yeah, some people they they focus on what they don't have instead of focusing on what the benefits of what they could actually get in itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, really come down down to ego. So, oh, no, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people, and I think at times having a songwriter, it also gives you a different perspective. Cause Most if definitely. You know, Most if definitely. If all you know is you, and somebody else, you never have a chance to see it from a different perspective or a different, um, from a different eyes. Most definitely. So, you know, and that gives you a different window to look, you know, to look yeah. out for. You know, so, so you know that um, uh, Stevie Wonder is an amazing writer, yeah, amazing you. songwriter, um, and um, on the uh, songs in the key of life, I mean, that probably is what, in my opinion, his best record, best album, period, his best album, um, and one of my favorite songs on there. He wrote the me- the he wrote the 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 melody for, but not the lyrics. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, well. I always, because Stevie Wonder writes all his own stuff as far as I'm concerned, I know what he wrote the whole thing. And it's only when I saw his documentary, I was like, oh, he sent it to someone else to write the lyrics? Oh, but they go together so well. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, if you're really honest about your art, you'll know that different people contribute different things. You know? And another, um, and again, when we're talking about song, songs and song lyrics and stuff, uh, the profoundness that comes from a song is really important as well. Another Stevie Wonder song that um, impacted upon me didn't impact upon me until I'd heard it, really. Maybe until I hadn't heard it for the 200th time. There's a song called um, uh, You Will Know, which comes off of the Characters album. Um, and... I'd been hearing this, the character's album I really liked, and I'd been listening to it for a good three months. And I was driving along the road one day, and, and You Will Know came on. It was one of my favourite songs. And I'd be singing along to it. And this time, for some reason, I must have been listening to it differently. I must have been more attentive or whatever. And I just heard the first, first line of the song. Lonely one, oh, you're so broken-hearted, travelling down the rigid road of life using pharmaceutical extractions to find your paradise. And I just like, using pharmaceutical extractions to find your paradise. Using pharmaceutical extractions to find your paradise. Listen, I had to pull the car over. That's no exaggeration. I was like, using pharmaceutical extractions to find your paradise. Now that's songwriting. How do you get pharmaceutical extractions into a song and make it flow like that? 
and to tell us you take drugs. Using pharmaceutical extraction to find your paradise. You take drugs to get high. I think that, I, that when a song is written well and structured properly, no matter how provocative that song or the lyrics are, it's, it's, it adds, I don't know, it's, a, that, it's not as bad as it, if, if, if he said, oh, you know what, I take drugs to get high, it just sounds different from <laughs> the lyrics that he used, but that is more accepted and you're like, you kind of understand and you would empathize with him, mm. so to speak, in, in regards to how he painted the song. Yeah. It's so, you know, so, so was that, did I change your opinion of who he was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it does. See, what it does again is like, not only change the perception of someone who takes drugs, but of somebody who knows someone that takes drugs. What they do, they take drugs. No, they use pharmaceutical extractions to find their paradise. You're right. You're right. Like, so that is, powerful. And I, but that's why songs like that would always be evergreen songs because they would mean so much to, like, you. most like you never got it straight away, but you'd be surprised if thousands of people I would have heard that off the bat this first time and be like, yep, yeah, I understand what he's saying. And because of that, that would resonate with them so much. And, you know, someone would break down or make a call to someone that, okay, they understand, you know, that their friends, their relatives, or their second half on the reasons why they do go to that place mm. because of this. And that's what music is supposed to do for you. I've always, I've always believed that music is supposed to invoke some kind of emotion. Either happiness, Sadness, thoughtfulness, anger, whatever it is, but it has to invoke some kind of emotion. If it doesn't, then go back to the drawing board. Because it has to invoke yeah. an emotion. It has to. Yeah. What is the use of you painting a picture and I, I don't I look at it and I don't know I don't even notice there's a picture on the wall. And I have to do like a you know, I'll do a double take, oh wow, oh, oh, that is you know what I mean, that is something unique. In regards to that, but at times I think the one who use one who create something like a conveyor belt, just right moving on to the next one, right moving on to the correct, next one, right correct. moving on to the next one. When I hear the terminology, I'm gonna bang it out. I just like <laughs> it makes me shut. Like you can't bang out a classic. <laughs> I think, but can you blame them? I think it's the industry. I mean, joking, devil advocate here. I think it's the industry we're in where so much music is being created and put out um, on a daily basis that people just think, you know what, if this is not a hit, the next one will be a hit. If this is not a hit, the next one will be a hit. <laughs> so they have, they're just creating and without really, I guess, before, because when normally you would work on years to kind of create an album. Now, someone will tell you, yeah, in a week, album was done. And I'm, yeah, <laughs> I went to the studio a week. Except, so, except that the people that say that I've seen say, I'm going to bang it out. Think that every song they do is a hit. <laughs> so like, yeah. So, but I think, people that say that, I put that most likely just creating songs for now. Or, songs that they think is the, is the, is the sound of now and what everybody is into now. So they think that is, you know, what everybody's just going to hear and think, yeah, that's good to go. But, like you said, songwriting or music is subjective. You, it yeah. might be great for you and your friends, but it might not be. It might not even be the right time. You can have another thing about guess about songwriting. You can have great and awesome material that 
Mando will pop off till five years time. Or somebody else does a cover of that song that you did and all of a sudden that thing becomes a hit. Yeah. It itself doesn't mean it was a, it's a, it's a bad song just for the time or for the, for the period it was in. There's certain songs that straight after the Second World War would have done better than when there was a boom. There's certain songs that would have done better when there was a depression than when there was, you know, it's just different. So you also, as a songwriter, as an artist, understand the climate that you're in. It's also, it's, I think it's also very key in just, I think that's why you have to write songs that matter because if you're in a period and what you're writing about connects with you and matters to you, then it should be either stuff that you've experienced or you're experiencing or you've seen people around you experience. And I think artists think they have to write songs relating to what they've experienced or what has happened to them. But it doesn't yeah. have to be. It can be somebody close to you. Yes, or you just, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Say the story absolutely. From, you know, from what you've seen or what you kind of heard and what your take is on that. Um, absolutely. My final question... Um, I thought that was your final one, but there you go. Yeah, no, this, this is the final one. <laughs> this is the final one. I, um, I wish we could go for, but you you dropped so much gems and so much um, insight that I think um, it just it's just going to bring so much value um, to the audience. Um, the last three questions are: What are three myths that you want to kind of um, overturn that people have always got wrong? Two about vocal training and one about songwriting that. We think, you know what, people always say this specific thing about, okay, how you need to either train your voice or how you need to deliver the song or how you need to write. Okay. Or different things that constantly being said that you're, okay. every time you hear it, you're like, like, come on, are you, like, this is so wrong, you know? Okay, first myth. Yes. The first one is you can teach anyone to sing. Not true. No, no, I used to. Not anyone, not, not true. But also, in context, yeah, it's all context to where they start, yeah? If you start like, um, let's say you sing like Biz Marquee, yeah? If you sing like Biz Marquee, I might be able to teach you to hold a tune correctly, but you're never going to be a Whitney Houston. Do you understand? So the first move is you yeah. cannot teach anyone to sing. Um, the second myth is that classical training is the best way to train your voice. Also not true. Classical training is the best way to train your voice if you're a classical singer, period. Okay, so okay. Yeah, not true at all. Um, and songwriting, I think the myth, I've already mentioned that, which is, um, every song that I write is a hit. Too many people think that. Too many people think that every song that I write is a hit. So you have to understand it could be a couple of dogs in there. Ah, uh, uh, a couple. No, no, okay. That, no, no, no. Let let me let me educate you. And the way that I educate everybody who tells me that nonsense, um, Michael Jackson for um, Thriller. No, I knew you were going to say Thriller. <laughs> Demo, demoed 70 songs. He wrote 70 songs. Se no, he didn't, he didn't write. He demoed 70. Demoed, wow. Yeah? He demoed 70 songs. There were 10 songs on the album. That gives him what I call a hit rate ratio of one in every seven. So every seven songs, only one of them was, in, was good enough to get on an album. Michael Jackson's one of the most prolific writers that we've ever 
had graced this earth. If Michael Jackson's hit race ratio is one in seven, yours can't be every one or every one in four. In four. Do you understand? So no. Or every one in ten. And that's more, one likely, <laughs> more likely. More likely. Yeah. Yeah. So hit rate ratio, understanding the myth of hit rate ratio is really important. Mm. So basically, so if, like, for example, if an artist is going to create, let's say, a 10, 12 track album, how many songs do you think they need to be writing? If, a, if an artist is doing what, sorry? How many if, songs? If an artist was going to create a 10, 12 track album, how many songs do you think they need to kind of have from which they need to choose from? Honestly, I mean, Honestly, I think we're living in. I think we're living in. We're living in a different era now, and so the expectations are not so high. Hence, we don't get so many classic albums. Um, but I would argue. I would argue still at the very least of one in four. So 40 songs for a 10-track album at the very least. At the very least. That doesn't mean to say that you're going to write all 40 of them, which wow. is why it's really important to have other people contribute songs to your project. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not true. So you guys, you've heard it. If you're going to have a 10-track album, better write or have 40 songs ready in your repertoire to kind of pick from. But I think also, like, you're right, the more... Now, uh, okay, can I, cl- can I clarify this for a s- okay. second? Please. That's 40 demos recorded. That might be 80 songs written because oh, you scrap right. some songs, you scrap some songs after, like, uh, a verse. I know they're not going to go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? So it's not song ideas, it's demos, 40 demos, from which you'll pick your, your, your best 10. Oh, for which you would have, you would have finished off. Wow, that is that is definitely. So now you're now you're working to a career. Now you're taking your 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 artistry as a job in itself because that is the kind of dedication that goes into really creating um, not only great material but also having you stand out as a great artist because that's the amount of time, effort, um, understanding, teaching that has to go into um, your craft. That um, I hope a lot of of artists that you know, managers that hear um, this podcast can kind of take on board. But once again, uh, we've spent, I can't believe we've spent over an hour and a half on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, but it's just brought so much value. I can't thank you enough. Hi, thank you guys for sticking with us through the two episodes. It was a real long one, so we had to split it into two different episodes. But we hope you guys got so much insight and so much knowledge um, from that podcast with Uncle Addy. Um, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and you share with friends, other artists that you think this might bring extreme value to. So let us know what you think of this episode and what other topics you'd like us to talk about. Check us on our different social media platforms. And yes, the spotlight, I'm out. Stay blessed and Keep aiming for the top. Learn so that you can earn. This was the Music Business Success Podcast. And till next time, I'm still Spotlight. Stay tuned.